Welcome back to another episode of Unyielded, Thriving No Matter What. I'm your host, Bobby Kaler. On this podcast, we explore all things related to thriving and flourishing in life. There are three fundamental truths that inform not just my podcast, but my coaching as well. And they are, number one, the future can be changed. You are not stuck and you are not trapped by your predictable future. Wherever you are right now, it's just your present state. It does not determine where you can go in life. Fundamental truth number two, you can change your future. This might be the best news of all. You don't need to be rescued by someone else. You can do that for yourself. In other words, you can be your own hero. And fundamental truth number three, you do not have to wait. Too many people think that they have to have the perfect plan or all the knowledge or all the skills before they can get started. Nothing is further from the truth. I've coached a lot of people in my career. And trust me when I say that you can learn whatever it is that you need to learn along the way. The key is to start. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'll probably know that we find stories and experts who shed light on these different areas so that we can all flourish and thrive. Let's dive in to today's episode. My guest today is a TEDx speaker, and she is passionate about helping her clients eliminate all types of clutter, physical, digital, mental, emotional, and more from their lives so they experience productivity and peace of mind. She is the owner of Conquer the Chaos, and her name is Carrie Thomas. Carrie, thanks so much for joining me. Yes, thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Good, good. I'm so glad that we connected. I've been looking forward to this topic because it's just a topic I happen to love, but I don't want to ruin it. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story with us? Okay, sure. So my name is Carrie Thomas. I am the owner of Conquer the Chaos. And I I know I love that name. I love it. (laughs) I can see your face. Your listeners can't (laughs) see your face, but a friend came up with it. But my background was actually in education. So I started my career, I have my bachelor's and master's in special education and taught for nine years, loved it, but then started moving with my husband's job at the time and then had a family and so stayed home for a while. And then when I was ready to go back to work, we had moved and I wasn't certified in that state. And I had a friend who had become a professional organizer and my brain just exploded. I thought, wait a minute, that's a thing. (laughs) I can get paid for this? Yes. (laughs) People can do like, I am good at this. So (laughs) she got so tired of me questioning her. She told me, sent me in the right direction. And I, you know, started down that path. So I was what you think of as a professional organizer, the usual closets, garages, that kind of thing. Yeah, And quickly figured out that I was really, really good and kind of doubt on paper and files and systems and business stuff. And so got certified in that. 
And around that time, my own life started changing a bit, which I'll tell you in a moment. And I did a TED Talk and I thought, okay, cool, bucket list. My mom will watch, you know, maybe Mm. a couple other people. And that is luckily, (laughs) that is not what happened at all. And it went viral and people started contacting me from all over. And they said, well, I want you to coach me on this stuff, the internal clutter, mental clutter and emotional clutter. And I had pushback at first. I was like, well, that's not what I do. That's, I'm not a coach. That's not what I do. And I don't know how to do that. And finally enough people had interest. And so I took the jump. And at first I was building the plane as I was flying it. And then I went back and took coaching courses and things like that. But what I realized along the way, because now I do both, I still have some corporate clients that are very cut and dry and help me systemize my office. And then I have groups where we do both. We talk about home organizing, office organizing, and the mental and emotional and spiritual clutter. But the reason it evolved the way it did is they always say like your best client or you know your clients are what you were five years ago or whatever that That's saying right. is. <laughs> and it's very, very true because I was always an organized person. Like I loved it. That's why I got so excited when my friend told me about it. And I had a lot of life changes like 2011, 2012. My son went through a very hard time and had to be hospitalized. And my dad was diagnosed and then passed from pancreatic cancer. And so the stress got to me and I ended up having heart surgery, a lifelong problem that they said wouldn't ever need surgery. Uh, Stress is real. That's right. (laughs) And so that happened. And so coming back from that, I had to learn, okay, how do I deal with the internal clutter? How do Mm -hmm. I deal with these thoughts and these doubts and these fears and just anger and just all of it? Because it wasn't enough to have a pretty perfectly organized house where anybody could open my closets. You know, I I was still carrying around some real clutter. And then Fast forward 2019, I got separated and was I moved back to Virginia, was living on my own. First time I had to support myself, the whole deal. And someone, she's actually someone I really admire. And funny enough, we did end up working together, but I was on her email list and I got an email and it said something to the effect of, if you're not accomplishing your goals, it's because you're procrastinating and you don't have a good enough vision or something like that. And then it said, woman up. And I was so upset because here I was like, oh. you know, struggling. And I'm thinking I have all these, just that internal clutter. And I got very triggered. I hate that word, but in that case, it was true. And I got very triggered. But then I started realizing this is what I'm seeing in my clients. I'm seeing that they're smart, they're you know, highly educated, they're motivated. But if they're stuck and have this clutter, even though I lived it myself 2011, 2012, I did the TED Talk in 2017. It wasn't until I saw that email in 2019 where I realized my clients don't need me to push, 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 say, okay, do this, do this, grind, grind, grind. They need me to listen. And Mm -hmm. they need to learn the tools. Like not everybody likes the same tools for getting rid of the internal clutter, but they need to learn tools. And so I think I'm finally now today in a spot where all of my life has led me to where I've 
I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I know I'm making a difference in people's lives. So it was just a, a beat journey. <laughs> yeah. But I think so often that that's the way it is, you know? So I have a question for you. You said yeah. that you had a lot of internal clutter, like you could feel like, how did you know that you had internal clutter? That's a really good question. So I knew, I guess back then I hadn't dove in as deeply as I have now, but the way you know you have, so there are a lot of definitions. The way I define mental clutter is it's just those voices. It's those mm -hmm. things that it's external, like it's coming at you. So basically it's what keeps you awake at three in the morning is the mental clutter. Could be from the news, could be from your family, could be, you know, it's just anything Facebook. that's, yes, <laughs> it's bombarding you, right? So that's the mental clutter. And it gets you thinking like negative thoughts. And then what happens is some of those might take hold. And when they become internalized, then that's emotional clutter. Okay. So then you start thinking something's wrong with me. And, you know, I have so many clients that say, well, I'm a procrastinator. I'm not organized. And they have completely bought into those thoughts and it's become emotional clutter that they carry around. Yeah. So I knew that I had it because I'm generally a very positive person, optimistic person. And all of a sudden, those traits weren't enough, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't enough to just wake up and be my happy self. And I, some of that stuff had started to settle in. Yep. And that's when it's clutter. When, it, yeah. when you're literally dragging it around with you day to day and place to place. And so over time, my definition of clutter has evolved. I know you listened to my TED talk. And so you heard in there, my mentor, Barbara Hemphill, I love her definition. It will yes. always be, it will always be the gold standard to me that clutter is postponed decisions. So true. We can talk about that for hours. But over the last few years, I've also realized in the way I approach it with my clients is that clutter is anything that's keeping you from navigating your life with ease. So okay. it could be, I can't pull into my garage. And so that makes my life difficult because it's cold and it's rainy and I have to park and walk around or whatever it is. That's not I mean, navigating life with ease. Right. It also could be lack of forgiveness you're carrying around or you know, at an extreme levels like self-loathing and just bad habits and things like that. So it's anything that clogs you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Clogs your life, clogs your thoughts, clogs your peace, just so you're not navigating your life with ease. Yeah. And so that's why I always ask my clients to start. Like we start with something simple. And I said, all right, what would make life easier? I love that because I'm also visualizing like the physical clutter. Like the garage is a great example. And I'm one of those people, I, I my garage is clean. <laughs> and when I see someone and like, you you can't fit another box in the garage, I'm like, how do they live this way? <laughs> you know. But if you think about physical clutter, that's what it does. It makes it hard to navigate. Like you have to push the stuff aside if you want to make dinner or you have to step mm -hmm. over stuff or whatever that might be. Okay, I love that. And also when you were talking about the inter uh, the emotional clutter, that kind of reminded me of 
when we believe the lies that we tell ourselves long enough, like I'm not organized, I could never be organized, or I'm just not this or that, there's a point where that becomes our story. And we are really committed to that story. And what happens from there, if you believe those things long enough, it can become spiritual clutter. And it can become Uh, spiritual clutter in a couple of ways. You can start doubting that there's a higher power if that's always been something that was your truth. And then you start doubting it. Also, spiritual clutter is when you're not living your purpose, why you're here, why you're put on this earth. And if you have too much of the other types of clutter, physical clutter, mental clutter, emotional clutter, you're not going to be living your purpose. You're going to be barely existing. Right. You're just trying to survive. Okay. So another question, when you said one of the first questions you asked your clients, or I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but like, what would be the easiest or easiest place to begin or something like that? How do they normally answer that? Well, everybody knows that. I mean, there are two schools of thought, right? Some people say, no, dive in, do the hardest thing first, get that sense of, you know, you get the momentum going and, you know, you know that, okay, now I can do the rest. The hardest is gone. Most of my clients do well the other direction. They do well starting with something small, feeling that, you know, success and getting momentum that way. And so the way I phrase it is start with one no clutter free Mm. zone. So the way I have people decide is I always ask what area of your home or office, when it is clean and neat, makes you feel good. And people always have an answer. I've never had anyone not know. Some people, it's their desktop. Some people, it's their kitchen table. For me, it was always my kitchen counters. Yes, The house could be falling down and (laughs) kids could be going crazy. But if the kitchen counters were nice, I felt calm. (laughs) Yes. But some people, it's their entryway inside. But people always know Mm. that when this area is organized, and clean and neat. I feel good. And so I have them start, just claim it. We actually use that word, like claim it with roommates, family, Mm -hmm. yourself, whoever's involved and say, we're not there yet, but this is a no clutter zone. (laughs) We are not dumping things here anymore. And then you grow from there. But that's where I always start because it just, it feels good. It gives a taste of what is possible. Yeah. I love that because I think a lot of people do need the the quick wins, right? As a way to build mm-hmm. momentum, because this is something that can really feel kind of overwhelming. Yes. And yes. Now I know that was a word you used a lot in your TED Talk. Yes. And it's the word I start my TED Talk with. And it is still to this day, the word I hear the most often okay. from clients. People fill out a scorecard on my website all the time. And they always use that word to describe themselves. I'd say about 60% of the people say wow. overwhelmed. And I do see that because I work with a lot of people who they say, well, I used to be organized or I, yeah. And it's always a life, some type of life event. So a disease, a death, a divorce, a move that they weren't thrilled about, a layoff, something always, not always, but a majority of the time, something has precipitated this clutter problem. Sometimes it's because you're exhausted and you can't deal with it anymore. And then that's Mm -hmm. where that overwhelm comes in. Then it just gets worse and worse and worse. You don't know where to start. 
Sometimes it's deeper. Some people actually insulate and shield themselves with their things. And if their house is messy, that gives them an excuse to not have people in. I just signed a new client in the business realm. And it's because they had two partners and then, then they had one and it's just life caught up. They just couldn't get out from under it. And then because of that started, I would say, instituting some bad systems or maybe no systems at all, but there's no shame, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, there's no shame. And Mm -hmm. people always say, oh, I wouldn't want you to see my house. And I said, no, 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 no. First of all, it's not as bad as you think it is. And second of all, if, if someone comes and they want help and they know they want to make a change, there's no judgment in that because no. so often something happened to lead to that point. Yeah. I'm thinking about how uh, this is top of mind. We're in the pro. Well, I told you we're, we're moving later today. <laughs> we're actually, we're in an Airbnb right now because we've been vacationing this summer and we're buying the place next to us. And it was very serendipitous the way it all played out. But the the man we're buying it from, he's 79. He lost his wife in February of this year. He had a pretty big illness the year before that. And he's like, I just can't take care of it anymore. And when we're to, and he's the sweetest man. And when we're talking to him, he's like almost apologetic. And he's like, I'm just, I just feel so bad that it's not as like the yard isn't, doesn't look as good as what it used to. And I think it goes to that. I don't know if he's feeling shame, but it almost feels that way. But if you think about the big life events that he's had in the last year, I mean, he he fell, he had to have brain surgery. I mean, like losing his wife after a long illness, that that's life. It can happen to anyone. Yes. Then let's talk about why. Then why does it matter? Why should people want to declutter or to do that? Yeah. One, (laughs) One is because usually what leads people is they do want to make a change. So they want to move or they want to do something new and they realize, oh, I can't because I (laughs) can't put the house on the market like this. Or our thing, there are quite a few reasons why, but one of them is our things and our environment affect our energy. I mean, our things Mm -hmm. have energy themselves. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a guest on feng shui or anything like that, but it matters. It matters how we set up our environment. It it matters. And then it starts to affect our energy. So you're not living, you're not at your happiest, you're not at your most productive if your environment is not supporting you. And people, like the change is amazing that I see in people, just the way they talk and even the way they carry themselves and the way they speak about their life and their home or their business. It's just it's really remarkable. Yeah. It it really does get to some pretty big I don't know. I always think about it this way. It frees up our space. Yes. It, and I don't just mean physical space, our energy as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the good news is it doesn't matter where you start. I always do I, my hands like a circle, like a clock with my clients because they say, "Well, where do I start?" And that's the good news is it doesn't matter because if you clear out something physically, It's going to impact your internal world. And if you do something to start working on your internal world, whether it's exercise or meditation or journaling, or I teach about using art for stress relief, I teach a million things because I want my clients to pick and choose what works for them. But if you do any of those, 
then you're going to have more energy. You're going mm-hmm. to want to change your physical environment. You're going to feel better about it. And it just goes round and round and round in a positive way. Same thing happens sadly in the opposite direction. But the good news is it doesn't matter where you start. If you do something, it will start to affect the inner and outer. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how they are connected. I've oh, always yeah. noticed that. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I know in your TED talk, you talked about the dirty little secret, you know, how we we fill our lives with more thinking that it's going to lead us to happiness, more of this, mm-hmm. more of that. Can you speak to that? Because I love that part of it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, we do. We, I mean, we're consumer society and we think we, even if you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, you think, I mean, I've worked with people with shopping addiction and that's a very real thing, but you do, you fill, you fill everything. You even think you have to fill your time. I mean, we wear busyness as like a badge of honor. It shouldn't be. You should have space. You should have margins and white space in your day, in your life. And we do, we, we fill it up. And I mean, think how many people say, oh, I don't have any more space on my phone or my computer or my calendar or my whatever, whatever, like we, we fill it. And I think to get really deep, I think people are sometimes avoiding what they might feel if they have downtime, if they have space, if they walk in their home and they can breathe and they feel clutter free, like some people really pack it up. That makes them uncomfortable. I used to have a friend way back in the day and she even said it. She's like, I can't stand being by myself. And I'm like, why? She's like, I don't want my thoughts to catch up to me. And I thought, Sad. that's hard. I kind of like the quiet, you know? And, and I always think about it this way too. So many times we find the answer in the quiet. We rarely find it in the busyness. Mm-hmm. So I know one of the things you talk about, you know, navigating your life with ease. What are some things that like, how do people go about that? How do, how do they plan for that or that okay, type of so thing? So first of all, you have to have a vision. You have to know why you're doing this. And so I lead my clients through four Fs. So feel, fact, find, formulate, and follow through. And the feel, we never skip that part. What do you want your space to feel like? What is your vision for this space? What do you want to accomplish here? If it's your office, what even setting a money goal. Like, what do you want to be able to accomplish in this space? What do you want it to feel like? And sometimes people struggle finding those words. I bet. They might want it to feel calm. If it's a bedroom, they might want it to feel energizing. If it's a workspace, they might want it. But you think immediately and then think long-term. You know, five years out is a good range to really dream and think big. But to put it in practical terms, So let's say back to just traditional organizing, let's say you're doing your master closet Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, I'm going to organize my master closet this weekend. And so, well, first of all, the place not to start is the store. (laughs) People make that mistake. They think, (laughs) oh, I'm going to organize even desk supplies or anything. So you you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) the fun part. (laughs) Yeah. Don't start at the store because you don't know what you need yet, but you have to know for your closet do you want just functionality? Do you want, mm. I say, I have some people, I jokingly say they have created destination closets and there's nothing wrong with that because that's their vision. That's what makes them happy when they wake up. 
So they have a chandelier in their closet or, you know, pretty bench or, you know, those kind of things. I know (laughs) matching shoeboxes and the pretty hangers and all that kind of stuff. Other people that is not necessary to them. That would feel over the top and there's no right or wrong, but they would need to know, okay, I just want it to not fall on my head when I open the door (laughs) and I'm perfectly fine repurposing things as long as everything's you know, clear and I know where to find it and things like that. So you can't just dive into even a closet without having an idea of what your vision and what you want the space to feel like. I love that. I've never thought of that for a closet. I love that. So that's the feel part. Yeah. Feel. So then you fact, then you fact find and you say, okay, well, what do I have? Like, what are my obstacles? What do I have working against me here? Do I have a budget for this project? Do I have time constraints? Do I have other people that it has to work for? You know, I, I, you're not just you. Like, do I have to make sure this is functional for my family? That type of thing. Maybe you've tried something before and it hasn't worked. So just really take a look at, okay, what, like, what are the resistance points? But yeah. then switch it and then say, okay, well, what do I have? What are my resources? So maybe the budget is, you know, I do have a good budget for this. Or maybe I have a friend who's really, really good at organizing and she's going to help me. Or maybe I want to repurpose things from around the house, or maybe I want to use a new space. Or I, A lot of people, when we do office organizing, they list one of their resources as their office itself. Like People have pretty good spaces. You know, yeah. the, the space is not an issue. So you just fact find, like, what do I have for and against? What, what resistance do I feel maybe going into this project? But also, what are the strengths? What can I pull from? Love and that. then you make your plan. Okay. And so you say, okay, step one, step two, step three, you know, then you make the plan, then you formulate the plan. And then the follow through. So there's follow through and follow up, but their follow through is obviously completing it. But the last part is actually the most important because long-term success, whether it's a closet, whether it's filing system for your office, whether it's, you know, an internal journey that you undertake, a long-term success is determined by two things, maintenance and accountability. So Mm. I talk to my clients before they even start, how are you going to maintain this? Are you going to swap out your clothes seasonally? Are you going to purge your files once a year when taxes are due quarterly? You know, like know ahead of time before you put something in place that's so unwieldy that you can't like, ah, (laughs) right. It becomes its own existence. Yes. Yes. So know what the maintenance schedule and plan is going to be like before you even start. And then accountability. Do you have a professional that you talk to? Do you have a friend? Do you have, Hmm. I have a couple of people that went through my group program and it's really neat. They became friends and they do a zoom coffee date. I think once a month and they just purge their office space, their desk, they clean everything up, you know, do digital cleanup and they meet and that's their accountability. And plus they Great look idea. forward to it. So they get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to think ahead what your maintenance and accountability are going to be. Yeah. But like I said earlier, the starting like claiming one spot and knowing that you can do it is really, really important. And then you can go from there. And then if you get stuck in making your plan, like, how do I do this? It's helpful to always ask yourself, well, what's the next step? What's the next action? 
And that way, even if you only have 15 minutes, you could say, well, what's the next small action I can take that will keep this project moving forward? Yeah. And that way you're always thinking about it and you're always moving forward. I like that. Because I think that also keeps that sense of momentum going. Yeah. That's really good. always remember the why. Why am I doing this? Yeah. I really like that. So what are some of the, I'm thinking, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that you must see some common mistakes or traps that people kind of fall into. Well, the the biggest one is people, yes. So the answer is yes. The biggest (laughs) one is people have a hard time getting rid of sentimental items. Very hard time. And so the short answer is you don't have to get rid of anything you don't want to get rid of. So as long as you have the space and the time to care for it and dust it, if it's a little figurine or something like, as long as you have the space and time and energy and money to take care of it, you don't have to get rid of it. But a good rule of thumb, this just came up in my Facebook group. A good rule of thumb is for special things like cards or kid things, or keep the ones that have handwritten messages or showcase someone's personality. Or once you know that you have one card that says love grandma, just keep the other ones after that, that actually have a little note written in or something special. Yeah. Let go of all the rest that just say love grandma. And then Hmm. decide on your storage. Like let's say catalogs, let's say you love catalogs and that's like a little you know, secret indulgence that you have is like flipping through catalogs. So that's fine. I'm not going to tell you to unsubscribe and get rid of them all. Just decide I keep my catalogs in this container, this basket or this box or this, you know, wherever it is. And then when that's full, then you have to purge. So it's setting Mm. up those little guidelines for yourself. Yeah. That's built in accountability right there. It can be this full, no fuller. Yes. Love that. I also really liked that thing about the cards because I'm thinking about sentimental is it's so hard. Like, well, how could I get rid of this card for my grandmother? But you're right. After you have the one that says love grandma, Mm -hmm. you probably don't need too many of those Right after that. Yeah. Yeah. The other problem that people have is keeping things because they know what they spent on it. So they don't even... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, to borrow, and I guess it's an accounting term is you have to ignore the sunk costs. You have to like, even if it costs $5,000 for this ball gown, if it doesn't fit you and you don't like it and it's itchy or whatever, (laughs) it's not worth $5,000 hanging in your Money's already gone. It's gone. No. And so people really, I understand the desire to recoup money and, you know, sell things online or have garage sales or that type of thing. But this is an unpopular opinion. That is only worth the time and money in some very select circumstances. If you have a lot, you know, an estate sale, obviously, yes, you know, that is worth it. But most people think, well, how can I sell this? And it's just think of the time that you spend doing that. And if you can, you know, have a, I don't know, teenager or somebody do it for you or I don't know, just think long and hard before you spend a lot of time and energy selling things. There's so many great donation places and great charities and that, especially for clothing, you know, that help, you know, women from battered women's shelters and things like that. And there, you can feel really good if you just do a little bit of research about donating your things. Yeah. And because how much time are you willing to spend? to try to go and sell some of the stuff. 
and for what? I'm laughing because I went extreme <laughs> last year, last May. I, I just, uh, this is crazy, but I decided my landlords decided they were going to sell and they gave me 30 days notice. And I decided it was time to really shake things up. <laughs> and I sold almost everything I own. I have about, I sold or gave away. I gave away a lot. 95% of all my belongings. And when I divorced, I had everything. I had everything from our big house in my little place and in my garage and in store. And my ex went and bought all new stuff, so more power to him. But I had to get rid of it all. And it was the lessons I learned from that. Oh my goodness, it was crazy because I found myself crying over strange things. It made me much more compassionate to, towards my clients and really understand yeah. because the day I sold my desk, I was sobbing and I didn't even, it was just a desk. And, wow. um, but I thought of the hours I'd spent working there and just, mm. it I think what happens is the things represent our memories and they, that's they right. represent a point in our life or, and that's often why it's hard to get rid of it. I'm fortunate in that a lot of my old videos, I was sitting and I see my desk and my credenza. <laughs> it's a little blast from the past, but it was very interesting what was hard to get rid of, what was interesting to get, what was yeah. easy to get rid of. It was definitely a process. Yeah. And then I allowed myself to keep some things that wouldn't make sense to anyone else. My son is now 22. And when he went to preschool and then carried it to elementary, he had a little Tupperware and his preschool teacher had written his name on it really cute. And I couldn't throw it away. No, I couldn't do it. Now I finally did it. About eight months later, I was like, okay, I can let this go now. But that's yeah. the key is I let myself keep it. And then it was easy right. later. Until the time is right. You know, it's interesting too, when you were saying that thing about your desk being in the video, this was, I don't know, four or five years ago. I bought my, it was the second, it was this, the first guitar I ever bought for myself. I was in the fourth grade and I haven't really probably played the guitar since, I don't know, being in the eighth grade. No, that's not true. I played it. I played it once a year because my my parents always liked uh, Christmas songs. So every Christmas mm -hmm. Eve, I would play the I'd play the guitar and play. So I haven't used it since I was eighteen. But I've moved that thing with me every yes. single time. It's been all over the country. And finally, I'm like, I don't even look at this. I took a picture of it, and I said, now I can let it go because anytime I want to look at it, I can look at the picture. You know, and it's not like I still play it. <laughs> so right. a lot of people do that with trophies. Yeah. Trophies or medals, things like that. They take pictures of them and then they're able to let them go. Yeah. We, my little sister and I, when my dad moved in with one of our other sisters. And so the farm that he'd lived on for nearly 40 years, that's where I grew up. That's where my little sister grew up and my mom and dad lived there. It was packed with stuff. And he didn't, he, he just took exactly what he needed and that was it. So we're like, okay, well, we have to go through this. And you find the napkins that we always used every Thanksgiving. And they're old, they're tattered. And it's like, we're not going to use these. And we're like, but we can't throw them away. I'm like, I'm taking a picture of it. I'm taking a picture of it. And that's good enough for some of this stuff. So I think there is power in that. I have to ask you though, how do you feel now that you got rid of the 95%? Oh, I feel fabulous because of <laughs> the, again, because of what it allowed me to do. So I traveled last summer. I actually worked with uh, quite a few clients around the country. It was fun. I it nice. enabled me to do that. And then I just followed my passion and I've 
always loved the beach. I grew up most of my life in Florida and I moved to North Carolina and just crappy 700 square feet old, <laughs> probably moldy, but it's oceanfront. Oh, and I'm not there now. You're probably like, well, that place looks big. <laughs> <I'm not there laughs> <now."> <laughs> but it enabled me to do that. And yeah. I still have a little storage unit because I'm a Christmas lover. Oh, and, you got to have there that. Are some things I, you know, I still have a little storage unit for that, but no, it enabled me to do that. And I'm getting to the point now where I probably would, you know, choose a different, I'm there until May Yeah, and I'll probably choose something different, but what an adventure. And That's I would have right. never been able to do it, or it would have cost me a fortune in storage to do it right. before. So, and I think it just felt freeing. But it didn't feel that way at first. I will say I, it was hard. I stayed with a friend for five weeks right after I got rid of everything and moved out of my place. And I felt untethered. And I actually had a vision of like me kind of floating above her house, <laughs> like a balloon. Like I, I said, I feel untethered. Like I want to grab onto something solid. Like I felt like, who am I like, I don't have a house. I don't like, I don't have stuff. Yeah. I don't, I felt very naked. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Perfect and sense. yeah. And then fast forward, I don't know, six, eight months later, I was talking to someone who certainly didn't know I'd use that word. And she said, well, you seem like you're doing great. She said, being untethered suits you. And she meant traveling place to place because that's what I had done all summer. And I thought, oh my gosh, what an evolution of me and that word. And yeah, so it became a positive thing. But I understand that it's hard at first. I I did. I felt naked without my stuff. And here I am, someone that preaches minimalism and you don't need. And yeah, when it came down to getting rid of everything, I felt very untethered. Yeah. But it didn't last. No. I think we have a lot of attachments. So like sometimes I'm thinking about one person that I know, she's very, she really identifies with her different possessions that she has, you know, things mm-hmm. that she's collected at different places through over the years. And, and like, for me, when you were talking about the, uh, the example of someone who doesn't want to get rid of something, because it costs a lot of money. Mine is a little different than that. It's more, and this is probably because I grew up kind of humbly on a farm mm-hmm. and it's like, but it's not broken. Why would I get rid of it? Even if I don't like it anymore. Like I have plates from the (laughs) nineties, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're not broken. But could, do you really, you know what I'm saying? It's, that's a hard, because that's part of my identity, I guess that like, I'm, I don't know if I'm frugal, but, but it's not broken. Why would I get rid of it? Yeah. You know, something, and and I do hear that a lot, especially with older, I just finished working with someone who's 83 and she definitely had that mentality. Yeah. You know, you think what her parents and what she lived through. And but on the flip side of not getting rid of anything, when I had to get rid of everything, I did have some of my grandmother's china and I wanted to keep my grandmother's china. And so I'd packed it up. And when I anyway, it was in storage. I had to move it to North Carolina in storage, et cetera. Two of them along the way, two of the plates broke. And I broke one and my friend's nephew was helping me move, broke one. But what it did is then he was so apologetic. And I said, you know what? I'm not mad. And I said, and don't put those in there. I said, I'm going to take them with me. I said, because I keep moving them. I've lost two now. Why am I going to put them in a storage unit? 
And so here I was living, like I said, this pretty cruddy condo <laughs> and I had fine China and that's what I eat. Yeah. Like my meals, because I thought, well, why, why am I going to hide this away? It's worth saving. 5% of stuff made the cut. It made the that's cut, right. but I'm going to tuck it away. And why do we do that? It? Yeah, no, use the good stuff. There's someone famous that says that. I wish I could quote him right now, but no, use the crystal, use the China. Yeah. Did you it. ever read, did you ever read Irma Bombeck? Years ago. Yeah. I mean, years she passed ago, away years yeah. ago. It was her final article column that she ever posted. And it was and she knew that she was like in the final days, weeks of her life. And she said, one of the things that she regrets, probably make me cry, was she always saved all of her wedding china. And she goes, what was I saving it for? Like, use your china. Don't wait for some day. And it, it was a brilliant article. Like, it was just brilliant. But that's what it reminded me. Like, what are we saving it for? Use mm -hmm. it. So this has been great. I love talking about this stuff. And by the way, when I asked you what it was like when you got rid of the 95%, your face just lit up like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny. Yeah. But what a great experience for you because now you can even speak to that at a different level with your clients because you know Definitely. what it's like. Definitely. I love that. Any other like final pieces of advice you'd give someone before then I want to learn about more about, you know, what you've got coming up and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I would just say it's sort of a theme we've talked about already, but do what works for you. There's no right or wrong. So there's no perfect level of organization. I wrote a Facebook post the other day that got a lot of attention because I said uh, unpopular opinion from someone who's been trained as an organizer, but I don't care if your home looks good. Like that's not, that's not my number that's one right. goal. It's can you use your space? Can you navigate life with ease? Can you get your work done? Can you, you know, so do what works for you. Some people truly feel happier if everything matches and everything's beautiful and the, all the bins in the garage are the same. Some people it's not important. So there's no, there's no right or wrong. So do what works for you and for your level of comfort. And so that you can live your best life. No one else is living your best life for you. So. Yeah, that's great. Cause, cause I think a lot of times it's, there's some standard that we have in or imagined in our minds and it it's whatever works for you. Right. And yes. I would say parts of my home are that kind of Pinterest magazine, pretty picture. And then other parts never have been. I just don't, I just don't care. Like instead of rolling my clothes all perfectly, I have lots of exercise, you know, tank tops and things like yeah. that. And I just didn't want to roll them right or fold them any certain way. And so I got two nice baskets and just all my exercise, like this jogging bras went in one and the tank tops went in one, like literally I just tossed them in <laughs> straight out of the laundry. I don't care. Like, it, <laughs> and it's still, if you look in the closet, it still looks good because you don't see them. You just see the basket, the basket, but no, that's a simple solution. If you really, really hate folding things, you know, then just don't. Yeah. I don't know. I think because of everything I've gone through, a lot of that, what used to be important to me just isn't, it's not no. life. It's not, you just know. No. Like my mom would always fold, she'd always fold the rags, you know, like mm -hmm. you're cleaning. And I'm like, so that for years I'd fold the rags, fold. And I'm like, they're rags. Can't they just go in a box or a basket? Like you're talking about, why am I wasting time? And I, I don't know where I saw this. 
I don't, maybe it might've been on a, a dish towel or a t-shirt, but it said, life is too short to fold fitted sheets. I'm like, now there's some truth right there. <laughs> yeah. But then it, it goes both ways. Like some people that's, love the oh, folding process. That's their, they do. that's when they think that's when they, yeah. you know, that, so they love it. So yeah. just And when I way. see him, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so envious of this person. And it's just not my strength. So tell us, what do you have coming up? Yeah. How can people learn more about you? All that kind of good stuff. Great. So my website is conquerthechaos.com. I also have a site where you can get a download on 10 ways to get unstuck. So Ooh. I love that one. It's a more holistic look at things. And there's also that quiz I mentioned earlier that's on okay. that site. And that's called clutter to clarity steps.com. Okay. And so you can go there and then yeah, my next group program is starting in October. And so I'm actually starting to talk to people and sign people up early and they get a little pre-coaching before the next group. So if nice. people are interested, they can definitely go to my website and send me a message. Okay. Terrific. And I think you sent me both of those links already, right? Yes. Perfect. And I'll put those in the show notes. And yeah, this has just been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I appreciate you making the time. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I feel like we could talk all day. I know. I, I can get really geeked out on this stuff, but I won't do it. I, know. I hope that you had some great insights from that conversation. Here are two of my favorites. Number one, take the time to think about how you want a space to feel. It seems so simple, and yet I can see how that would change how you feel in that space. And that in turn, affects your energy, which affects other aspects of your life as well. Number two, I really appreciated Carrie's definition of clutter. Anything that keeps you from navigating your life with ease. When you think of clutter this way, you can see how it keeps us from being at our best. These were just the two that really spoke to me the most, and I'm sure that you had your own. If you haven't done so already, be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so that you never miss another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope that you have a terrific week.